Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Future of Place podcast, your podcast for strategies on the future of place and the evolving relationships between people, place, technology, and data. My name is Adam Beck. I'm host of the podcast. And at the Future of Place, we believe that place is the superior driver for our economy, an accelerator for sustainability, productivity, and inclusivity in our cities, communities, and towns. The work that we're doing is guided by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, what we refer to as the Global Goals. You can find out more about our work at the Future of Place if you head to our website, futureofplace.global. But for now, let's discuss. Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Future of Place podcast. My name is Adam Beck, your host of the podcast, my day job, Executive Director of the Smart Cities Council for Australia and New Zealand. Delighted to bring you another episode of the Future of Place podcast. And today, going a little bit deep into quite a fascinating uh, approach, uh, technology, solution, a way of understanding our places and spaces and our cities a lot better. And we're going to talk about mobile laser scanning and joining me for that is Brad Chambers, who is the mobile laser scanning lead at our partner company, Veris. Brad, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Adam. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for uh, inviting us. No, that's a pleasure. I'm um, looking forward to this conversation. I like going deep in the into the nerdery of, of certain data, da- data sort of solutions. But Brad, let's, let's first introduce you to our audience. Can you let me know who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so Brad Chambers from, uh, from Verus Australia. Verus is a, I guess, a multifaceted business uh, doing survey throughout Australia. We, we have about 15 or 16 offices around Australia and over 500 employees. So we've, we've got a, a, lot of, a lot of scope and a lot of area to cover. My, my role as the, the mobile laser scanning manager for, for Verus is to, to cover, I guess, everywhere from business development for Verus through to delivery to the client and, and keep an overarching view on, on everything, on, on what's happening there and and also where MLS is going for the business and try and keep in contact with all the clients and stuff like that. Got a uh, about twelve years of experience in MLS, which is is pretty rare, I guess. Uh, it's a fairly it is a fairly new way of doing survey. However, back in two thousand and nine, we actually you know purchased our, our first system, and then uh, yeah, I've been in it ever since and. Yeah, thoroughly enjoy every day that I work with them. Well, one of the um, one of the prompts for reaching out to you to have this uh, conversation is a post that I saw. I think it was January, just a couple of months ago. You guys had purchased a new vehicle with this massive camera on the back of it, and I'm going to come to that. We will talk to that, but let's start. Let's start high level. Just the future of place. Our our sort of goal is to really explore this intersection of technology, data, and people and place. We certainly have seen over a number of years now that the rapid evolution of the Internet of Things and our ability to use sensors to gather information about the environment and and what's happening within the environment. MLS is a very different beast. I don't know it deeply, but it certainly is a is a 
data gathering tool and technology. However, in saying that, my strong interest in digital twin looks at MLS and says, oh, wow, okay, we have a big opportunity here. Brad, first question is, let's start from you as an opening statement, general views on MLS, five minutes, what would you share with us as an introductory sort of piece? Yeah, look, I think with the, the where MLS is at the moment is we're sort of in a, in a space where there's a lot of interest through various different organisations, whether it be government, local government, DOTs, right down to construction as well. And they're looking at how do we capture a lot of data safely? And that's, I wanted to really touch on that safety part of it, because I think that's where a lot of MLS has been derived from. Um, I think the analysis and everything behind it is great, but what we're trying to do is keep people off the roads. And that that form of data capture is really important. You know, it's not a safe place to be when you're when you're out surveying a road. So that's kind of where we've come from and um, you know, developing the the equipment as we've gone from building systems through to to the acquisition, as you say, with the, the new Leica Pegasus. And what we've found is that the processing and the the actual data capture is far simpler. The, you know, what comes out of it at the end has improved dramatically. The big point about MLS is that I guess you've got multiple sensors. So you've got G- GPS, you've got an inertial navigation system. You can have a wheel odometry system on that to, to give you really accurate distance. Then you've got laser scanners and imagery. And they're all combined in together to create this virtual environment as you're driving through it. So there's a lot of challenges around that. Like when you're dealing with such an enormous amount of data throughput, you've got to then look at, you know, how do, how do you make that into something usable for the client? And that's where, I guess, that's where we sort of fit in as, as professionals is to, to make sure that, that that deliverable is not just handballed on to the, to the client. We, we make sure that the analysis is done really well and they get what they need out of it. So that's the, I guess, in a, in a nutshell, mobile is a, an area that's, it is emerging, but it is a, it's continually continually expanding into various different areas and uh, there's a lot more people out there now going I think we can use that on our, our project and that's what we're uh, that's where we're at at the moment. Uh, so Brad in terms of where we're at in the state of play hmm. now where we've come from laser scanning is not new right um right. And putting the M in front of that now in terms of mobile totally changes the ball game. As of now, can you talk me through, let's maybe work on a hypothetical, okay? I'm a city, I have, I'm a large municipality. We know that cities are responsible for maintaining the public realm, parks, vegetation, drainage, pavement. The city is often the custodian of the public realm, you can create a 3D version of the public realm, right? You can sort of create this immersive visual experience. So talk us through the tools that you use for this. So we've got a sense of of, of how it works. And Pegasus is this new uh, latest sort of piece of tech that you've got. Can, Can you talk us through what actually happens when you're using 
the Pegasus, the tool, the vehicle, the camera, and, yeah. and the type of data that you're getting from that? Yeah, absolutely. So as I indicated before, there's there's multiple sensors there. In, in a typical day when you would go and do su such a thing like a local government area, what we would do is, you know, you'd have the, the equipment installed on the vehicle. Now that might be any vehicle. It's usually on a on a particular set of vehicles because they have, you know, various roof racks and things like that. Once you've actually gotten to site, it's it's relatively easy. Like you sort of start the system up and it, it then goes through its its procedure of you know checking that all the sensors are working or the, or the cameras are working you know you go through your settings and say look you know i want to take a photo every half a meter or you want to take a photo every three meters five meters ten meters whatever it might be so the way that the system works is it initializes from a gps point of view it initializes the imu point of view and then says all right i've got i've now got a solution that i can use to then if I lose GPS signal, I'm, I don't lose my position on the road. Um, so what's happening at that stage is that it's it's doing it's recording about two million points per second with the with the laser scanners running, and for example, recording the the IMU measurements at about two hundred times per second. So for every second of travel along a road, it's measuring the the location and the roll pitch and yaw of that vehicle at any particular time. So you can then use that information from the trajectory to then apply that to the imagery and point cloud. So that then gives you a highly accurate point cloud and also has you know the uh, what we call lever arms for each of the cameras, uh, which is a position and roll pitch yaw of each camera which then aligns it to the point cloud. So you then have an immersive experience when at the, at the other end, when you're looking at an image, it's actually got a point cloud sitting behind it. That's also can be colored or, or, or not. Um, so, so, so Brad, just to be clear. So when you say cameras, yep. are you taking video footage, but no. laser, yeah, talk, talk us yeah, through that. I'll, I'll talk you through that part of it. The, with the imagery, there's actually, up to eight 12 megapixel cameras mm -hmm. on, on the Pegasus that are operating as a, what we call a global shutter cap camera. Now, most SLRs are rolling shutter. So when you, if you're moving a, a rolling shutter side to side, you'll actually get a, like a diagonal blur across the, the, um, the screen. With a global shutter camera, it takes a flash at a particular time, or not a flash, it doesn't actually flash, but it takes an image at a, at a specific time, and then it doesn't have any motion blur. So you can then, at, with those eight individual cameras, you can have those triggering at every meter at 80 or 100 kilometers an hour. So- So you can drive 100 kilometers an hour while taking photos, and it's, not, no, it's, not, it's not blurry. And there's no motion blur. It, it's quite it's quite an incredible amount of uh, data that comes through. Yeah. Um, so what all that data is being fed through very very large LAN connections. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then stored onto an internal computer. And then that way uh, it's quite, you know, quite a lot of data. So when, you, when you're doing that, it's, you, you can see the, the space on the hard drive decreasing rapidly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but you sort of get to a point where, you know, you might, after six or eight hours of driving, you might fill up a terabyte of data quite easily. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so just to take stock here, you've taken a car, you've converted it into a big camera. You can yep. drive up to hundred Ks an hour, take yep. immersive 3d laser geolocated imagery and recreate an immersive environment of our cities and spaces and right. streets and corridors and things like that. Okay. So let's talk about the why. Okay. Hmm. Let's talk about the big opportunity here because for the data nerds like me who love the idea of having greater intelligence about or, or data that we can then convert into intelligence and make better decisions. Talk to us about the opportunity here about using this type of a data set to make better decisions. Who's using it for what purposes and yep. what do you think purposes in the future and the value of this type of data in the future might be? Look, I think the it's a bit of an open-ended question, answer, of course, because I often find that when I sit down with a, a government or a, or a private contractor, they start to think, where can we use this, rather than this is what it's used for. Because mm. you know, when you're driving down the road at, in, a, in a local local government area, 30 or 40 kilometres an hour, and you've covered a couple of hundred kilometres of, of their streets in a day, what comes out of that at the end is a effectively survey accurate 3D model of their whole government area. You can effectively zoom into any drainage pit, side entry pit on the side of any road. And most of the time, I mean, I won't say all the time, there are, there are some instances that we might be outside of survey tolerances, but we're, we're looking at around about 30 mil accurate in X, Y and Z just that sort of that 30 to 50 kilometers an hour speed so it's a pretty impressive thing so what we can do then is look at okay well we want to replace gutters or curb and channel or we want to we want to know where all our drainage pits are flood levels we want to know are the is that street flooding for a reason you know what vegetation is around that can they plant more vegetation in that street to be able to utilize that how close are those trees to those power lines? I mean, you're, you're looking at... Uh, it's, 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 it's endless, isn't it? It, it, it is. It, it, that, that's it's, why it's a very hard thing to answer. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to be clear, Brad, so what I, what I can do is, if I was the asset manager of the city, I could sort of jump into this thing and quickly sort of immerse myself in it on the screen and, and move back and forward, a bit like Google Street View or something like that. I, I can take myself down Jennings Street at number 34 to see... Yes the stormwater pit outside the house, Correct. but potentially trees and the vegetation that are overhanging. I mean, it, it's given me a 3D capture, hasn't it? So I can sort of look up, look down, Correct. trees, structures, surfaces, and what you're saying is it's geospatially located. It'll The GPS, we could go straight there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so from a from an accuracy point of view, particularly with the Leica, I've, I've dealt with a few different systems in the past. I feel like this is by far the most accurate system that I've ever used, and that's got to do with a whole lot of other post-processing things. But I think what we're finding now is that the confidence in using mobile laser scanning has improved out of sight. Yeah. 
So very early on, there was very hard for people to go, oh, I'll jump into that. How can you possibly make something that's 60 kilometers an hour accurate mm. to that level? Now it's sort of like, oh, why can't you do that? Yeah. Um, and look, I, I guess it's because it's geospatially correct. We're now looking at, and I wanted to touch on this as well, is that the laser scanners that we are using in the Pegasus uh, have a range of about 100 120 meters or thereabouts 119 meters okay yeah yeah uh, so when you're driving through a street you're not only seeing the fences but you're actually seeing all the properties behind the fences yeah so you can then look at all sorts of things with the facade of buildings and the imagery that goes along with that and you know you might need to do a floor level study where you might need to we've done this before where you pick out the floor levels off the front doorstep it's it's that detail. Yeah. So it is. It just makes that whole data capture scenario far more uh, viable to then out go out on a much larger scale. Yeah. And that's what we find. The old urban planner in me sort of says, "Wow, imagine if this was available sort of twenty years ago." I mean, we used to walk down streets with clipboards, you know, and a camera, and we'd have to develop film and sort of then put it into a report to understand what was going on in place and the condition of certain things. So clearly yet another technology that is evolving to give us data and therefore insights to just a mind boggling sort of level. So all, all sounds crazy exciting. Where, where do you go? How do you respond Brad, that privacy issue and capturing sort of you know data and security and i'd imagine you got some sort of fundamental privacy security layers over your systems and approaches and things like that yeah correct we have uh, i guess a, a system in place that is once that data has been captured all of the imagery depending on where it's going we have the ability to blur vehicles the blur faces much like google street view type stuff we can do that if it was going into a public domain a lot of the projects that we do are not in a public domain mm -hmm. um, from a, a, an imagery point mm -hmm. of view. They're mm -hmm. usually delivered to the client for their use. Now, mm -hmm. that's you know, once, it, once it's been handed over to them, you can't guarantee what they're going to do with it. Sure, um, sure. That, that's where, the, I guess, the, the blurring stuff comes in. With the point cloud data, it's, that's, a, that's an interesting one as well. It, look, all it is is points in three-dimensional space. Mm. So it's it's not really a privacy issue. I mean, you are capturing the data from a public domain and being road. If it's a private property, then obviously the only person that would deal with that data is that private entity. We have done defence force stuff as well in various areas. That's an entirely different process because you've got to keep that stuff internal in Australia, privately secured. Mm. Um, so yeah, that bit different, but. Um, you know, overall, the, the security that we have around our systems in place, we've built an entire IT infrastructure around this in Veris so that we can make sure that our clients have got the most secure data. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Final word, Brad. Where does this go? What's next with MLS? What's exciting? Well, what's exciting you? Well, what's exciting me is that the ability to integrate other technology into it we're looking at gpr we're looking at thermal cameras we're looking mm. at multi-spectral type stuff for vegetation and 
you know, the integration of all that sort of stuff is really where I want to see it go. That where I where I really see it booming a lot from now on will be in AR and VR. Yeah. So I think with the uh, the ability to take in spherical imagery and make them, you know, a three dimensional space, and then being able to use that in things like you know gaming engines like Unity and and Unreal Engine, the, the things like that are, are super exciting for us uh, because what it means is that that ability to go into that sphere of information becomes so much easier for the end client, and being able to open up there, you know, might be a local government area. In effectively like a game and be able to tag assets like a, uh, you know, you're pointing to that pit and going, well, I want to know about that, bring up that pit information. Now, we're not that far away. It really isn't far away at all. And I think the information that we're collecting now, that just needs to be fed in in the right way. And I think we'll be, it's, it's an exciting time. It really is. Yeah. I think as our, um, as our greater appetite for, gathering greater insights on how our cities being the built environment, the physical environment, how they're sort of evolving our ability to use data like this is really truly fascinating. And I look forward to tracking uh, how this particular part of the, the data world goes, but Brad wanted to thank you so much for sharing uh, sharing some insights around mobile laser scanning, where it's at, what might be coming. It's been a, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Future of Place podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Adam. And for our listeners, our guest Brad Chambers, mobile laser scanning lead at Verus, based here in Australia. And for our audience, if you're not subscribing to the Future of Place podcast, you can do so. Head to your favourite podcast platform. You'll find us there, Future of Place. My name is Adam Beck, your host. Look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Stay safe, everyone. We'll chat to you soon.